I hope everyone is staying nice and warm. Um, it is cold outside this morning and super, uh, super icy on the roads. So um, anyway, welcome. Uh, I'm going to give you something this morning. I wanted to kind of continue from our Mark series. And so um, we're going to do a sermon. We're going to take communion together. So um, if you, you have something, we'll do that in a few moments, um, some grape juice or and cracker. But if, if you don't, uh, honestly, this morning, I would just say make do. You know, tortillas will be fine this morning or, or whatever you have. Um, so just that we can take the, the Lord's Supper together this morning and um, be together. So it is, um, if anything could make the past year any more crazy than it has been, um, I would say it would be this week. And um, just out of nowhere, you know, we're in the, the single digits tonight and tomorrow. And that is crazy to me. Um, so wherever you are, glad you're, you're with us online. Um, hope you're staying warm, stay safe. And we're going to spend some time together in Mark and um, just kind of enjoy our morning together for a, a few moments. And this will be a little bit different than, than typical. I, I thought about singing some songs for everyone, but... Uh, I think we all know how that would go. So if you want to sing, you're welcome to do that in your home. Um, I'll just, I'll wait for a moment for you. Just let me know when you're done. And, uh, but no, I'm, I'm not going to sing, but I do want to spend some time this morning in Mark. And uh, I'm going to start with a prayer and then we'll, we'll jump in. So wherever you are, welcome. Let's uh, just enter into God's presence together. Father, today we thank you for our houses. We thank you for heaters, um, fireplaces. We thank you for family and, and just time to be able to be still just in a few moments. And Father, these, these moments in our life where um, our life is interrupted, Father, they're just simply reminders that we're not quite as in control as we thought we were. And so, Father, this morning we just simply pause. We stop for a moment to spend some time with you. And, Father, allow you to be some, someone, uh, something that warms our soul. Father, I pray for those right now who are sick, those who are battling a virus, those who are um, struggling with illness. Father, so many... Um, so many here in our um, our church who are, are, are in need of prayer. And so, Father, we pray, um, God, for your presence this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. If you saw me startled in the middle of our prayer, uh, I am in the gathering. And a bird just flew headfirst into the, the door and crashed into the door in the middle of my prayer, and it startled me, um, and then I just could not stop laughing. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, this is going to be a fun morning, just interesting, um, interesting day. So, we're, we're in this series 
in the book of Mark right now. And um, we've just been spending um, this time looking at the words of Jesus from Mark and, and approaching it almost as if Mark is putting people on a witness stand and asking them to give testimony about who Jesus is. And, and so I want to kind of start, um, you, you have those moments. And, and I, like I said in the prayer, um, if there has ever been a time that we've been reminded that we're not in control, um, it's this past year. These past 12 months have been so crazy and so just different um, than everything else. Everything we know has just been interrupted. Um, our way of life. And, and you know, this week coming up is just another one of those moments where everything is interrupted, everything is put on hold, everything we had planned, everything we expected is not going to go the way we thought it would. And we all have had those moments, those, those things that we didn't expect. Um, I think 2020 would be definitely one of those things that just wasn't the way I expected. When I was in high school, um, a neighbor of mine named Jason, we went to a movie. Uh, we went to see a movie. Uh, let me see if my slides can come back up. There we go. We went to see a movie, um, and the movie was called Millions to One. And the reason we went to see this movie was because we saw a preview, and everything on the preview, um, we, we just couldn't stop laughing. And the, the problem with the movie was the only two funny parts of the movie were actually in the preview. And so um, we went and watched this bad movie together and we had such great expectations of it. And it just completely um, missed the mark. And so we left so disappointed. We might even left early just because it was so bad. It was the slowest plot ever and just things didn't work. Um, a few weeks ago, um, as we've been working on our house, my wife and I were walking through a store and we found this rug and this rug looks super soft and it looked like an awesome place for our kids to, to sit down and play video games kind of in their little corner to have their TV and, and just kind of stay out of the way. And we thought this rug looked like the most comfortable thing ever until we got it home and started living with this rug in our house. And we found out that this rug has a problem. This rug sheds. And so these little strings are all over our house. Cammy was doing laundry yesterday in our laundry room. Um, it's kind of a, a couple of rooms away. And so she's picking these little strings out. We find these in our bedroom, in our bathroom, in the very back of our house. And so yesterday... Um, after, you know, living with this rug in our house for about three or four weeks, we made the decision to end the life of the rug. And so that rug got thrown out because that rug wasn't what we expected. Um, the other thing, um, I guess our anniversary was, uh, let's see, a week ago Friday. And so I was walking through bookshores and I found these flowers and I thought these would be a beautiful gift for my wife. Um, um, a couple of days after I bought the flowers, um, all of them were kind of laid over. And so um, I walked into the kitchen. They were there. And so we gathered them all up. And there's our, our twisty tie from our loaf of bread that I used to make the flowers stand up again. But, but it wasn't quite what I expected. 
And, and I'm sure we've all had those moments where things weren't the way we expected them to go. Um, and I wonder, is Jesus' disciples and all of the people that are encountering, encountering Jesus, I wonder if people expected things to go the way they were going. Because it seems like they have their expectations of what's supposed to happen. And, and so we're asking this question in Mark, who is Jesus? Such a powerful, powerful question. As we've said through the whole series, you have the choice to decide. It's your choice. You can make any decision you want. God leaves that up to you. Jesus leaves it up to you and gives you the freedom to choose how you will answer that question. But it is such an important question. And we ask that question, um, who is Jesus of these disciples and of the Pharisees and of all of the people that are, are with Jesus? And as these um, disciples are living life with Jesus, as they're walking beside him every day, they have these expectations of who they believe Jesus is, right? Um, the, the disciples are walking beside him and they, they say, let us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. Like they have this, this picture that Jesus is just going to come in, take all power, and they're going to get to sit at his right and left. Or after he's died and he's come back, he's risen from the grave, they're with him. And they say, Lord, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom? Like we've been waiting for this day for so long, and we had these expectations of how it would happen. And yet it's not quite happening the way they thought it would. And I wonder what your expectations are of the kingdom. Like when we talk about what you expect God to do in this world and how you expect him to be at work, what are your expectations of how God is going to show up, how Jesus is going to show up in this world, how um, the kingdom of God is going to come to earth as it is in heaven? And I wonder, as we look at some of these parables, we put Jesus on the witness stand and ask him, who are you, Jesus? Tell us who you are. I wonder if some of these parables don't shatter some of the preconceived theological assumptions we have today. These, these parables spoken 2,000 years ago just kind of shatter the boxes we created. Because Jesus had his expectations of how things were going to work. Remember, he comes on the scene and he says, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The good news that Messiah has come and that God is redeeming and restoring all things. All things new. These expectations that Jesus had, but there were also the expectations of the disciples, of the Pharisees, of the people who heard, here is this Savior. And one of the things that you, you notice in Mark, and, and maybe you haven't noticed, but Mark begins with this statement that this is the beginning of the good news of the gospel of Jesus the Messiah. And no one says the word Messiah again until about chapter 8. And, and we're not going to really get into that, but I want you to notice that, that I think the disciples are maybe getting a little glimpse into the life of Jesus but they don't have the full picture. Their eyes aren't fully open into who he is yet. 
And so they're living with this. And Jesus has announced this good news. And he said, the kingdom of God has come near. And then our question was, okay, what, is, what does that look like for God's kingdom to come near? What does it look like? And he starts with these parables. Last week, we, we looked at this parable of the sower. And where this farmer scatters sea and seed and some falls on, on rocky places and some on the path and some in the thorns and some in good soil. And the, the one in the good soil brings up this great crop, but the other ones, they, they produce a, a crop that doesn't last. The, the seed really never takes root. It never gets to grow. And he says the kingdom of God is, is like that. It's like this farmer who goes out and scatters seed. And I, and I was thinking, you know, from the very beginning, in Genesis 2, the command for the farmer, for the person working the ground, has just been to work the ground and care for the earth, to, to produce crops. That, that was the command in, in the very beginning in Genesis. And one of the things I, I know is it's very hard to cultivate the soil. And what we said last week is, is about these soils. I think I've been all of these different soils at different times in my life. I've been the rocky soil. I've been the soil that's on the path and, and the seed never really takes root. I've been the good soil at times. And it, it's so much dependent on where we are in life. But the soil is dependent on us. Like we are the ones that care for the soil. God produces the kingdom out of that. He, he produces the fruit out of that. But we're the ones who care for the soil. Right? We, we take care of that. And taking care of that soil is hard work. If you've ever tilled some ground, some hard ground to plant grass or to plant seeds, to plant um, flowers, it's hard work to, to get all the weeds out. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes sweat. It takes work to do. Um, and, and we have a responsibility to play there, to take care of that ground and to work the soil. And, and so he uses these, um, and, and for us living in 21st century America, they don't make as much sense to us. But, but you rewind about um, 150, 200 years and go back to an agrarian culture without electricity in, in homes and these parables start to make a lot more sense to the people. Now, we, we understand them, right? We, we can get them. But we don't live in this context in the way that they did. And so um, he uses this illustration, these, these parables, to describe the kingdom. And a parable, if you, if you aren't real familiar with parables, parables are stories, but par parables are really similar to similes, right? And if you don't know what a simile is, a simile is making this description um, of, or, or comparison between two things. And so we might use the one light as a feather. And you could use light as a feather to describe a feather, of course. But you also could use light as a feather as a simile to describe a person, right? And bonus points for anyone who knows what movie this is from, right? Um, it, it can describe a person. So we might say, you know, light as a feather. We could also say strong as an ox. Either way, there. Um, blind as a bat, right? An MLB umpire, right? You hear that all the time. You're blind as a bat. We could say cute as a kitten, 
This is my daughter, Kaylee. Uh, one of my favorite pictures I have of her. Cute as a kitten. Um, you could say clean as a whistle. This is not our house. Um, I, I couldn't find anything clean as a whistle in our house to take a picture of. So I grabbed one off the internet. Um, you could say um, as fun as a barrel of monkeys. And, and we know those are expressions. They're similes. They're making a comparison between two things. And, and so what a parable is, is a slightly more developed um, simile. It, it's a, a simile. It's a simile that has a story with it. Because a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. And Jesus is preparing his disciples for life without him. And the reason he's doing this and the reason it's so important is because one day they're going to have to do life without him. And they have their expectations of what the kingdom and what the Messiah is going to look like. And I think Jesus understands when things unfold the way they do, his disciples are really going to struggle and they're going to have these crises of faiths because their expectations aren't going to match up with the way things are actually unfolding in the kingdom of God. And so he uses these examples. The kingdom of God is like. And so there's four kind of small, short parables that he puts back to back to back. Mark places here, all from the mouth of Jesus. And so I'm going to walk through these just, just real briefly in Mark chapter four. So first, he said to them, do you bring a lamp and put it under a bowl or bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. All right. And again, Jesus is using these parables, and he continues to just say, if you if you hear these, then you hear them. And what we got last week, there are people who cannot see and hear the sights and sounds of the kingdom. But the sights and sounds of the kingdom are dependent on the condition of the soil for you to be able to hear and see the sights and sounds. Like us working the soil, conditioning the soil, so that God's word can take root in our life, so that the God, this God's spirit can take root in our life and produce this powerful, and so he talks about this lamp and he says, it's ridiculous to bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, you would put it on its stand so that it gives light to people. It wasn't made to be concealed. And so he talks about the kingdom as something that wasn't made to be concealed. But at the same time, he's talking in a way that kind of conceals it. It's interesting the way that Jesus um, phrases this, that he this because he keeps talking about if you have eyes to hear then hear and maybe maybe his point is if your heart if your mind if your soul is in condition good condition if the soil is in good condition then you will be able to hear it won't be concealed it won't be hidden and therefore the message of the gospel, the good news that you carry into this world is not meant to be concealed either. Then he goes on to another 
um, short parable. Consider carefully what you hear, he continues. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has been given more, whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And so he uses the idea of measuring things. And if what you have is used for good, and then good of the kingdom, if God's spirit is living in you, he's going to continue to give you more and to produce more and more fruit out of your life. Then he uses another parable, this time again about a seed. And he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts it to the sickle because the time has come for the harvest. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like this seed that's growing during the middle of the night. And all the farmer did was scatter the seed. And he doesn't know how it grows. He just knows that he goes out the, the next week and there's now this little sprout and he goes out a week later and it's grown a little bit more and a month or so has passed. And now there is harvest that, that we don't understand how the kingdom of God fully works, but we do know that it does. And then he uses one more parable. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? Again, trying to describe and let people grasp what the kingdom of God is like. It is like a mustard seed, which is the sm smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. So it's like this small little seed, and it grows up to produce this massive plant. So what does Jesus want us to understand? Just kind of looking real quickly um, at these parables together. You know, from the parable of the sower to the lamp on the stand to the measuring, growing seeds and the mustard seed. What is it that he wants us to grasp? First of all, I would say this. The kingdom comes into existence slowly through simple acts of faith, not giant, profound leaps. I think so many times we have these expectations of what God wants from us and what he's asking from us. You know, I'll hear people say, well, I think God wants me to move, you know, to Africa and take care of starving children. And I would just simply say, yes, that, that may be so. But that's not where God has you right now. Right now, God has you living in Tyler, Texas, or, or Dallas, or Oklahoma City, or, or wherever else you're joining us from. That's where God has placed, placed you, where he's planted you, in White House, in Bullard, in Lindell. He's put you there for a purpose and a reason. And I think what God wants more than anything else from you in the world is for you to be faithful right where you are in the context that you're in. 
to do what you can to faithfully produce fruit. But again, it's not you that produces. You don't know how it happens. What our job is, is to faithfully care for and cultivate the soil so that the soil has a place to produce a good crop. God is not asking for giant leaps of faith. You remember the Indiana Jones? I, th I think it was in, um, which one? Um, the I didn't even look up the, is the Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think. Yeah, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And he's searching for the Holy Grail. And if that's that's wrong, you can correct me. I don't remember which one. They're they're in search of the grill. And he comes to this chasm that he has to cross. And, and it's this leap of faith where he has to take this huge step out into this huge chasm um, with nothing there. And he sticks out his foot and he just falls forward in faith. And I, I think that's what God wants from us. He, he doesn't want us to make this huge jump all the way across. He just wants us to take one tiny, small step at a time. And yes, we don't know what it looks like. We don't know what's on the other side. We don't even know so much what the next step is like. But all we have to do is take the next step that we can take in faith trusting and knowing that God is leading the way. But it all comes back to us being able to cultivate the soil so that the soil is capable of producing a good crop. Secondly, the kingdom is far less dependent on you than you ever dreamed. So many th times we think that God's kingdom is completely dependent on us. And, and here's the, 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 the crazy part of this. God can pull you out of the equation and God's kingdom will still go on. Right? If you didn't exist or you decided you weren't going to follow Jesus, God's kingdom is going to continue on. Um, and what that does for you, what that does for me, is that can release so much of the guilt that we feel for not being good enough, right? So many times we, we know we fail and we don't live up to God's expectations of us. But, but here's the good news. The kingdom is far less dependent on you than you ever dreamed, right? When, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he promises that the gates of hell are not even going to prevail against this kingdom. It's going to be okay. God's kingdom is going to continue to march on, no matter what comes. And then, thirdly, the kingdom is far more dependent on you than you ever imagined. But in ways you never imagined, excuse me. The kingdom is far more dependent on you, but in ways that you never imagined. What that does is it reminds us that we have a significant role to play. But again, it's not in those massive giant leaps of faith. It's in the small, everyday, mundane things. You remember when Jesus divides the sheep and the goats? 
It's those who cared for the widows and the orphans and those who fed the hungry and gave someone a drink of water. It's those who visited the prisoner and took care of the, the sick. It's these little things that we don't ever think about. I think it's loving our neighbors well. What a great opportunity this week you have to check on your neighbors. To, to use these opportunities to help the kingdom of God move forward. Because it happens in these small ways that we never imagined would make a difference. And so while it's far less dependent on you than you ever dreamed, it's far more dependent on you than but in ways that you never imagined. It's caring for those that you live around you. It's being faithful where God has placed you at this time. It's being a part of the body of Christ and doing what God has gifted you to do to bring his kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. And so, what are your expectations of the kingdom? You know, as Paul's describing the kingdom and how it's going to work and what the church is going to look like, he uses this analogy of a body. And he says, not everyone's a mouth and not everyone is a hand or not everyone's a foot, but all of these parts work together perfectly so that the body of Christ is built, so that Christ is glorified and built up on this earth, so that the kingdom of God comes. But because we don't have the big picture, it's going to happen slowly. It's like a seed that's planted in the ground. The farmer does not know how. He does not know when. But yet, all through the night and all through the day, the sun, the rain, the wind, all that is doing work on the seed. And it's helping the seed to grow. And the farmer has no control over it. He just did what he's capable of doing. He played his part as the farmer. And the beauty of the body of Christ is we get to play our part as part of the kingdom of God. Back in 1913, a man named Henry Ford changed the world. He went to working class people who were making about 50 cents a day. And he asked them to come to work on the first assembly line. And this was going to revolutionize America. And instead of paying them 50 cents a day, he would pay them $5 a day. And what they would do is instead of people moving around to work on the cars, they would develop a system so that the cars came to the workers. And then the workers could get so good and so precise at their job that everything became more efficient. And when he did this, he cut the time to build the Model T from 12 hours to three hours and now could mass produce them and now could make them affordable for every person to be able to have a car. Because at first, when the Model T came out, it cost about $900 for a Model T. But because of Ford's assembly line, he cut the cost to about $450. It made something inaccessible to the majority of people now accessible. And the first day, as he interviewed people to work in his plant, he had over 10,000 people come to apply for jobs. 
And basically, Henry Ford created the middle class. It was this idea. It was this dream. It was what was such a small idea. Instead of having the workers go to the different cars, let's bring the cars to them and let's mass produce them. And each worker, when they played their part well, made this dream a reality. How true of the kingdom of God. When each of us does our job well, when we use the gifts that God has given us, we bring the light of God into this world. We bring the kingdom of God into this world. So what are your expectations of the kingdom? Because for me, I like to imagine that my life and my family and our church run a lot like Henry Ford's assembly line. Precision. Right, Everything has its place and everyone knows their part. But I think in all honesty, a lot of times it looks a lot more like this. Where, where we're clumsy and where we don't always get it right. Where, where we sin and we mess up. When we allow the soil that's in our life to become hard or full of thorns and things start to choke out the kingdom of God within us. And it seems like things get to moving too fast for us and we can't keep up. But yet somehow, the kingdom of God still finds root. And it still continues to grow. It still continues to move forward. It still continues in spite of the workers their times are so incompetent. And I wonder if God just looks at us like Lucy and Ethel and says, guys, you, you get it wrong, but, but what you're doing is you're continuing to try to move forward and bring the good news into this world. So, so what do I want you to grasp this morning? What do I want you to walk away with? It's so easy to lose heart when it feels like the kingdom of God is not progressing and not moving forward in the way that we thought it would, in the way that we expected it would. And I would say to you, don't lose heart. Keep the faith. Keep moving forward. Keep being faithful right where God has planted you. Keep being faithful in the middle of an ice storm. Keep being faithful in the middle of a coronavirus. Keep being faithful in your school. Keep being faithful in the office. Keep being faithful in your neighborhood. And the kingdom of God will continue to be birthed here on earth as it is in heaven. Because I'll just tell you, things will look doubtful at times. And things will get hard at times and you're going to start asking yourself, is it is it worth it or is it moving forward the way that it's supposed to? And I think God would say, yes. Yes, it is. There's nothing that will prevail against it. And just ask David. Ask Abraham. Ask Abraham, who was told to leave everything he owned and go and God was going to bless him with children 
and at the age of 100 is still waiting. Ask Isaac, who his dad placed on this altar, and yet somehow God saved his life and allowed him to become this father of a nation. Or, or ask Jacob, who deceived his brother and found himself running for his life. And in years pass before they're reunited, before this kingdom dream is seems to pick back up. Ask Joseph, who finds himself sold into slavery in a pit and is a prisoner in Potiphar's house. Ask, ask David, who, who commits adultery with Bathsheba. Ask Daniel, who finds himself in a lion's dinner, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who find themselves in a fiery furnace, or Ezekiel, who's told to go preach to unfaithful Israel. Ask John the Baptist, who ends up in a prison cell, questioning whether Jesus was the Messiah, the one who he was preparing the way for. For ask Peter, who denies Jesus. Ask Paul, who persecuted the church. Ask these men of faith, could God overcome their insufficiencies? Could God overcome their past? Could God overcome their mistakes? I would say absolutely. He can't. And he can overcome yours and mine as well. But some days it's going to be hard. Some days it's going to be difficult. Some days we're going to fail. Some days we're going to get it wrong. But the beauty of the gospel is that God continues to give his grace. And he continues to give you and I a chance once again to be part of the kingdom regardless of how bad we mess it up. So this morning, for those of you who are struggling to see the kingdom, don't lose heart. God's kingdom is still alive and well. For those of you doubting, those of you questioning, those of you struggling to keep the faith, don't lose heart. God is still at work in this world in beautiful and profound ways.